0: Hello and welcome to Uh, HBR Talk 250. What? (laughs) Uh, I I already screwed it up. My uh, my opener. I forgot my title. Secret agenda behind feminist letter to Congress. Um, I'm your host Tana Wallen here with Nonsense Annihilator Lauren Brooks. Uh, And uh, no, we we don't have a doc tonight. We've been having some questions about that. I wanted to point out. He's not he doesn't regularly have to come on the show. <laughs> he's not responsible for for the show, but yeah. always allowed. He, so when he, he gets insomnia, like we might see him um but yeah, like, it's the middle of the night where he is. It's late. He is
1: he is happily sleeping <laughs> and uh hopefully Zon- <laughs> you know, Doc he's is likely
0: of... zonkified. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he tends to be more productive when he's awake during daylight hours. So i, I tr- yeah. like to give him his, his time. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I'm probably, out of all of us, I might be the only person who's more productive at night. And it's just because I work nights. So Yeah. Uh, like and my... how long
1: have you been doing that? that... Oh,
0: you gosh. Um, well, in this job, eight years. Wow. But I, like... So if you look at my work history, um, you definitely would call me a workaholic, started working when I was 15. Um, and my schedule at that age included work hours that went to two o'clock in the morning because uh, I used to uh, I used to go photograph sporting events. And at that age, you know, you, you can't drive, so I would ride with the reporter or the team if uh, if allowed but mostly with the reporter and uh, so I would stay as long as the reporter stayed and I would get my pictures and I would come back I would go in the uh, darkroom develop my film Um, and usually like that's something that dad and I did together because he also was photographing sporting events right Mm -hmm. so um, about two o'clock in the morning we would get our stuff done printing processing and printing Darkroom work is a slow process. Um, especially, like, you have the process if you, you, you develop your film, you have to let it dry. Then you have to look at all your pictures and choose the ones, because we were our own editors for that. Uh, mm-hmm. You choose the ones that you're going to submit, and then the sports editor picks which ones are going to get published out of that set. And... Uh, so that was that was my first job was clear uh, back in 1987. I was working till two o'clock in the morning, and I have worked jobs that had me start at three o'clock in the morning. I've worked jobs that had me start at noon and finish at midnight, or midnight and finish at noon. You know, worked over you know middle of the night, nine p.m. to nine a.m. kind of shifts. I've worked swing shift. That's a lot harder but uh I've done a lot of night work, so uh, I got used to it um, yeah. but it is a it is a thing that it takes getting used to uh, if you were like when i my natural when I started out was um I would wake up at around six or seven o'clock in the morning, regardless of how much sleep I had had because it was time to wake up I didn't use an alarm clock didn't need one just woke up and yeah. uh now, it's a different situation. If I sleep at night, my, my circadian rhythm is so oriented to sleeping during what most people would call first shift hours, that um, mm. it might not wake me up till noon, even if wow. I've had enough sleep. So, yeah. but yeah, um, it's just like, that's just my history, and I've I've had... I've had so many jobs. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I only had one job, but I worked most of my life. I've had two or three, and uh, there have been times in my life where I've had a work schedule that you know I've I've worked in one weekend 45 hours um, between multiple jobs, and oh. uh, sometimes 45 hours at one job. So. Yeah, but enough about that. Um, that's that's clearly clearly I'm a I'm an internalized misogynist there for for doing what most of the men in my family have always done, <laughs> and that's yeah. work and work and work uh, because mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. So it's rewarding. It is. It's rewarding, and then on top of being rewarding, like. There's just stuff that, um, you know, I I like to be involved in. And, uh, like, it's hard to cut anything out when you want to be involved in a bunch of different things. You know, like the work that I do in my other job, for instance, um, like this is activism, and that's activism. And uh, when I was a journalist, um, it wasn't really activism. But it was a service to the community. It wasn't just, you know, a paycheck. Um, And I've made everything I do like that. Even when I worked at the gas station, I found ways to provide services to the community and uh, not just gather a paycheck and go home. Um, That's something I learned from my dad and it always made work interesting and Even if it wasn't something you'd be like, wow, this is really fun, it was an enjoyable thing to do. It was something that I I did because I wanted to. Uh, And I don't know, I guess part of the reason I feel like it's important to emphasize that, um, I think is because people have started to classify work, voluntary work, getting a job, choosing where you're going to work, making an agreement with your uh, employer to work there for the pay that your employer offers as being coerced. And it's it's just baloney to call it that because you can go somewhere else, you can try to start your own business. Yep. Um you, you know you you don't necessarily have to rely on your employer. I've been a business owner. It's a lot harder than being employed, but you can do it, you know. And I've been um part of a family business and uh, that's its its own different level of very hard work and and it's higher risk too you know you're the only person you have to rely on when you are um your own employer is you you don't have someone else to draft in and you don't have like you can't call in sick and somebody else cover your shift you know have somebody else find somebody to cover your shift it's you yep so Like all of that, but, um, and I've, I've had, I just got into an argument. Um, like I, I went back on Twitter. I finally got back on Twitter. I, I have been off Twitter for a couple of months. There's just, there's been some stuff going on, and I, I really haven't talked about all of it, and I'm not going to delve into my personal life too much, but, um, I, the the short version of it is I've just been dealing with a lot of rage over um, things happening to people around me that there's no rescue for me to run to for them. There's nothing I can do to make it better um, and it's it's happened just to a whole bunch of people I love at once and uh, every every time um. It's happened. It's just been one more brick in a stack of uh, bricks that instead of straws on the camel's back. And it mm-hmm. hasn't all been um, things that were natural or inevitable. There have been some things that were um, people did things to people I care about. And uh, that, that just it gets to a point where I'm going to take it out on the next person I have an argument with and mm-hmm. they're not involved and yeah. I have yeah. the capacity to strip you right down to your skeleton with my words oh
1: yeah <laughs> that's, that's why I, see that's why we're like kindred spirits in yes. some sort of way I, oh good lord and get I didn't all... want to do
0: that to somebody <laughs> that wasn't the reason I was that mad you yeah. know like not yeah. fair you know yeah. and, and so yeah. so I stayed off social media for a while because that's where I um am encouraged to strip people down to their bones. <laughs> like that's it. all all your illusions are gone. This is what you really are. Just mm-hmm. a walking skeleton with with a meat popsicle wra- wrapped around it. Um, <laughs> in a dunce cap <laughs> and a dunce cap. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I so I haven't been on all this time. I get on. I'm on one day. and if if anybody thought it was overreacting, for for me to call tecla a stalker within a day a single day of being back on i'm in a discussion i'm tagged into a discussion and she invades it (laughs) seriously of course and uh, so of course yeah she's the one she's the one that made the argument that work is slavery and i was like no no it's not
1: Okay, honey, just get back on Twitter and keep pounding those goddamn that keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know
0: that uh, that meme of the the cat with his little yes. arm stretched out because yeah. somebody's holding on to it, but you can't see them and uh-huh. just banging on the keyboard. That's what I see in my head every time I see one of her comments. So, so anyway, but our subject tonight, we're. We're going to look at another aspect of this feminist letter to Congress. But before we get into that, I'm I'm going to do what I got to do before we find out what the women want. We're we're going to to do what we got to do. As always, Honey Badger Radio dishes out a smorgasbord of thought-provoking discussions. And as experiences both recent and long past have demonstrated, the provoked thoughts are fighting back. They've made it clear that for people like us, relying on third-party payment platforms like Patreon to fund our work is treading on thin ice or building our house in the path of a rapidly growing wildfire. In light of this, we strongly encourage our supporters to switch at least their support for us to FeedTheBadger.com, the most stable way to help us out. And if you want to tip us directly instead of relying on any social media platform's tip jar, the link for that is FeedTheBadger.com slash just the tip. And this week I already have the, the Super Chow channel open on one of my computers. So that I uh, uh, can't uh, fail to see them. So as they come in, um, I'll be able to see them come in. And when I go looking for it, I won't have to scroll through our chats for a week to find them. Um, <laughs> but with that, you know what time it is. It's whampering time. Uh, let, the, uh, sus- let the criticism of the suspiciously genderless feminist lament begin. <laughs> How thin is this disguise gonna get? So, uh, as we were going through last last week, as we were going through this stuff, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and, you know, as I'm scrolling up and down the page, you know, we talked about last week the fact that only men pay taxes you know aside from women like lauren who do not have kids um and are not married so there's no head of household but lauren you know like so lauren pays taxes like a man but most women don't most women don't earn enough to pay taxes like a man most women do um eventually have a child um, or they get married and their husband pays taxes right mm-hmm. and you look at this economic security for women and families like women and families means everybody but men right yeah but the issues on the um paragraph on this on this topic are not gendered issues this is not just about women children have two parents I know feminists don't like to hear that right but all children, at conception, have two parents. So this idea that anything to do with Ch- children <laughs> <laughs> might be a women's issue um, is is bullshit. It's just, you know, grade A
1: bullshit. Yeah, it, and it's and it's blatant in the way they describe it as as uh, care for women and families, as if. You know, men are just down there with the the kids, right? Just, yeah, just, yeah, or or just, not like, involved. Right? Yeah, like why why if if men and women are supposedly equal parent, which we know that they are, why why would there be a need to separate women out of that?
0: Exactly. And why can't because... they just say families? Right, because they want to make it a women's women's issue, yeah. And that's the thing. This is about. Like, we talked about this last week being about people who do not have children funding the lifestyles of people who do have children and people who do not have an income that is within that bracket that receives um, the child uh, tax credit. You know, people who are above that bracket funding the lifestyles of people that are in that bracket. And, you know, it's... There are people that will argue that this um, reduces debt and keeps people off welfare and and all that, but your receipt of a tax refund does not count against your eligibility or at least it didn't uh, back when I was working with people who were on all the time on welfare on the, all the time and I, I don't we were not in the system long enough I don't think for me to find out like we weren't even in the system that long um, for me to find out if uh, tax refunds were counted against it. Um, I it, I just can't imagine that it, that it would be because that income was already counted um, mm-hmm. except if you are in a certain bracket where you make enough money to not be eligible for full benefits, but you are eligible for benefits, uh, some benefits. Right? You're down low enough in the income levels to to be eligible for benefits. And this can this can involve um, some some convoluted math because what Ohio does is they have a two-tiered test. You first determine what percentage of the poverty level your gross income is. So they count. Um, all of your income before any deductions of any kind. Right? And that includes your taxes that you pay. They count that as your income. And if that is low enough, then you're eligible. You're just blanket eligible for certain things. And then once they determine your eligibility for assistance, the, you know then they determine how much assistance you get after... Uh, certain deductions and your net income um, is is taken and uh, if you for instance pay child support um, although in the 90s that was not deductible the in the 2000s it was and I know this because I knew people paying child support whose income was low enough to make them eligible for services but they couldn't receive them or rather they barely received anything because the child support was counted as money they had to spend on themselves
1: oh god
0: yeah that was that was brilliant yes you <laughs> you are obligated to pay this money in fact it's going to be taken out of your check regardless of your interests but you have it when it's it's considered in your pocket when we decide whether or not you need Medicaid, and uh, I think food stamps was another one. If you needed food stamps, they, they counted you as having the money that was confiscated from you and sent to your ex-wife.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Right? So, yeah, men men really get screwed. Men, and they've been screwed for a long time by this.
1: I so, mean, <laughs> you know, we, we already know how I stand on, on the, the whole kid thing. You know, right? I love them, but, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm... I'm 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 like scarred enough by taxes <laughs> well this is the thing like, it's just if the idea I have
0: kids I... they should be my responsibility they shouldn't be your right. responsibility because I'm the right. one who decided to have a baby correct right and that's that should be that way for everybody if you are dedicated yeah. and this is we should be teaching girls and boys in in sex ed if we're gonna teach them how to have sex we should also be teaching them the, the potential consequences of sex, the right. psychological logistics of sex, and love your children before you conceive them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Care enough about them to plan for your future and theirs before right. you conceive them. Because right. if you just are, are going to drop a baby into the mix and then scramble to fix everything after the the baby shows up, you will never get to do everything that you want for your child.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you know, women women don't... (laughs) These women these days don't really think... They don't think long-term at all. You know, women... Long-term to them is like five years down the road. Yeah. You know? And then anything could happen to them by that time. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to figure it out. Which means that some she's going to have to try to sucker some guy into being her safety net, yeah, you know, after she's made all of her bad decisions in life.
0: But... you see, yeah, that's the first thing. Like, if if you're going to plan to have a baby, make that plan with a man who also is planning to be a dad and wants that job, wants to be dedicated. Like, that's Mm -hmm. the first important thing you can do for your partner and your children. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, and and that's the, like that's another thing. Um, I, I you hear well that argument with Tecla. She You know, she argues as if um, men should not have any say in reproduction, but all of the responsibility, all the financial responsibility, should fall on them because women are taking the greatest risk. Well, first of all, women are not taking the greatest risk. The child takes the greatest risk, and nobody asks him. Mm -hmm. But um, besides that fact, um, men actually face the greatest consequences because a woman, you know, a woman can walk away from parenthood if she wants in multiple ways. But a man has at least 18 years of imposed child support if a woman makes a series of unwise choices ending in her having primary custody of a child that she can't support financially like that's yeah. that's the really ugly truth and everybody should tell their sons that your son should know if you don't keep it in your pants you can get trapped into this situation and there is nothing you can do about it and yep. if that makes them angry well good then you teach them about voting
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That's when you talk to them exactly. about voting.
1: Right. right.
0: You know, and do the same thing when you talk to them about the draft. You talk to a, you know, like if you live in the United States or or any other country that has something similar, you know, you talk about this issue, selective service and the requirements and the consequences of not meeting those requirements, and then you immediately segue into their voting rights. Yep and the absolutely. importance of, of, of
1: exercising them absolutely and you know I, I love these people that that uh bemoan the draft right like as as if it could never happen again it absolutely can yeah and if if anyone's paying attention to the trajectory of this country right now if you're really paying attention we kind of seem to be setting up to be the fall guy for for yeah. uh China and Russia because they're just coming in and they're they're already eating our lunch. Our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. and I just highlighted a guy
0: on Twitter who is already talking about how we need to start a pre-war draft.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. He is
0: talking about war as an inevitability. Like, this is going to happen. We do not um, have another option. Which Mm -hmm. is bullshit. We do. (laughs) Yes, we do. But uh, but that's the discussion now. And the discussion is turning toward uh, the inevitability of war and the need to have a, uh, a set of soldiers already on hand that have been drafted because, you know, nobody is enlisting. People are not mm-hmm. enlisting in the military right now because of how bad nope. things are in the military for yep. the soldiers. Uh, so this discussion about the draft and everything... That's, that's not a theoretical discussion anymore No, it is a no. current discussion when feminists tell you that there hasn't been a draft in however many years the answer is well one is being one is under discussion now the yes. political uh, leanings the political um, under, undercurrent at this moment among the people who, whose political speech tells you what's going to happen next in government is war is inevitable we need to start the draft well it's not inevitable and we don't but unless the people step up and say no we're voting you out we're uh recalling you cuz there are politicians can be recalled as well um you know we're going to protest against this we are refusing this is going to happen
1: yeah well you know <laughs> And and I think we have to think in different terms when it comes to war, right? Because we just had a Chinese balloon floating through half of our country before anybody decided. And and of course, yeah, oh, it happened for yeah. It's just okay now. Biden, it's seen, Biden don't didn't by... do anything about it, though, did he? Oh, right. Right, exactly, and you know who's to say that they couldn't drop some kind of other uh, biological weapon on us directly?
0: Who's to they're... say they haven't already?
1: Already, thank you. <laughs> you know, so if if something like that happens and it just decimates of uh, uh, the population <laughs> or their there the the uh what is it the oh my god the death rate the um. Oh my God, it's climbing. Anyway, so the, the it's like the the
0: oh yeah the the, the
1: mortality rate. Yes, it's yeah, it's it's just increasing, right? So anyway, <laughs> if you think that that's because they're not really talking about it, no, but it's happening. So imagine if something really bad happens, right? Well, where are you gonna get people to come and fight? It's going to be a draft. It's gonna be everybody for them fucking selves.
0: Well and here's you the don't. thing it's not it's going to be every man right because we just gave our government two two opportunities to degender the draft or eliminate it right mm-hmm. we had the supreme court and they popped it back to congress and the supreme court chose not to address it by doing that and congress chose not to address it by by voting it down right mm-hmm. that was it they, they've decided they're not going to draft women
1: and wasn't that correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that one of the uh uh things that mark angelucci was yeah. working on before he passed
0: yeah he before. was murdered right before he was supposed to argue that case yeah and um you know i I think that affected the case because you had you had two factors it was that case was his baby mm-hmm. right so the most uh most prominent and prevalent lawyer um on the case, the person who was the most familiar with and had the arguments um down the most died. And everyone else involved in that case was his friend, and they were grieving when they mm-hmm. had to argue that case. Um, so he was gotten out of the way. Yep. Now, granted, there's a there's a, a narrative about how uh, that happened that does not implicate um, the uh, the powers that be, but I will forever be suspicious because of the timing and uh, the, mm-hmm. the the cases that he was arguing at that time
1: um yeah they they had just made a landslide uh point in the case on yeah. that Friday because yeah. it happened he he it happened on a Saturday when he died and he had just went to court on that Friday i remember it oh my god it's...
0: yeah it really looked like um <clears throat> this was in the bag yeah you know so that was that's that was you know, just, just another... Uh, it's another instance of you know, when men start to make progress, um, you know, terrible things happen to them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, it's really hard to not be suspicious. It's really hard to accept the official answer as to what happened there. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that because yeah, it's... I don't know. There's not something I can point to and say, this evidence indicates that the official narrative was a lie. It just... It's awfully sus in my in my mind. Yeah. And I'll never stop being angry about that. Uh-uh. And it was like one of the best guys I knew. And one of the um, great soldiers of the men's rights movement in terms of, of getting things done. I mean, he'll always be missed.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and that's that's basically the kind of thing that we're talking about now. Like the shield against um, getting women in, involved in the draft. You know, updating the draft to make it genderless. To, uh, you know, provide some equity for men to use their terms. and And really, if we wanted equity to use their terms again, we would have to... Polarized the draft in the other direction women would have to spend a 100 years being eligible while men were exempt mm-hmm. maybe 200 years because actually when you think about it um, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the country there yeah. was a draft for the revolutionary war uh, so this is something that we use um, as a society we use women's issues as a shield for genderless political issues country is going to go to war because politicians want to not because the population wants to and you know we might we might be able to make them more reticent to send citizens who don't want to be to to involve their country in a war overseas to fight somebody else's war uh, if they had to send women too. right right Um, so what do they do they exempt women and we see this with, with everything. Taxes. You, know, well, you want to you uh, um, create government initiatives that have to be funded by taxpayers. You want to confiscate parts of people's paychecks to pay for these things. You make them about women. So we see universal child care. Every child at conception has two parents. How is that a women's issue?
1: <laughs> well, because it be- it, the- it came out of my thing, man. It, it, it's just it's but it's mine, right? Cuz I had to push it out. I I had to shit this little turd out of my vagina. So, obviously it's mine <laughs> and no one can have This is my shiny little turd. I'm going to shine it up and it's going to look like gold and it's mine. You can't have it, okay? It's Cause... my precious.
0: <laughs> and honestly, that's that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Women lay claim to parenthood as if men are not parents yep but they sure want your money oh yeah paid family and medical leave that's another one people get sick women do not have a monopoly on getting sick they think they do when a man gets sick and and he does what women are encouraged to do when when women get sick what do they call it Man flu. He mm-hmm. got man flu.
1: Yeah. Like seriously. See now, now I you know I'm I'm in a little bit of a different position because I work with mostly men, right? But I'm sorry, I I can't remember the last time I took a sick a legitimate I don't feel good I have to stay home sick day. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm talking about like for at least the past three and a half four years right and these young kids oh it's it's monday oh my god like, oh yeah i ate something bad over the weekend so yeah, i can't come in on my... yeah i know <laughs> what it is i know what it is but you know they but they just it's, it's and it's it's all of the younger ones mm-hmm. they whatever they're do, whatever you're doing on the weekend you need to calm mm-hmm. down because if you can't make it to even when look when i was that age and i went out drinking all night right Still showed up to work. Yeah, I might have been hungover like a motherfucker, but I still showed up. You know, but this younger generation—they don't even have it. Would they rather sit home and like, oh, I don't feel <laughs> no, jeez. And it's it it it, it 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 kills me. It kills me because I'm, I I can't the number of excuses that people have to not show up just astounds me. Yeah. I, and I and I I fully understand that this is a function of the fact that I don't myself have kids and have that whole thing going on, right? Because I understand, you know, you got kids, you got to take time off. This one sick kid gets sick, you get sick, and you gotta, you know, it's a whole thing, right? <laughs>
0: well, there's actually there's a little bit to that. Um, so you know, I I, I raised kids, and I worked, I, I was the breadwinner for our family because. Of course, the government was confiscating most of my husband's pay and sending it to another family. We had overlap, obviously. Uh, Two of our three kids had a different biological mom, and uh, they lived with her, and that's why she received child support. But, um, that also meant that me calling in sick wasn't the option, the available option, that it is for most moms, because... I, I was for a lot of that time, I was working in uh, jobs where you know, paid paid leave was not <clears throat> as prevalent and available. Like my company that I work for now, you uh, they encourage you to fill in um, shifts for, for you know coworkers and stuff when they have to take off by giving you um, higher points toward your bank of, of paid time off. Uh, if you if you pick up extra shifts and stuff, so I have I have a shitload of paid time off that I build up over time, and then I use it when I need it. And honestly, the last time I the last two times I took off from work, um, for you know, and in any kind of I have them calling in sick and not trading shifts with other people ahead of time to to do things. Um, somebody died. And the last time I took planned paid time off was so that I would have time to deal with some aspects of an estate. And the last time I took paid time off for me was because I had food poisoning so bad that I almost went to the hospital. Technically, I really should have gone to the hospital. Um, I really... Like, if you... Have a more more than a few hours span where you have uncontrollable um stomach and and digestive system the the digestive system um malfunction <laughs> like it was bad. it was bad enough yes. that you don't want to hear what it was like. And we'll just leave it at that. I took one shift off. Wow. To, to deal with that. And I went to work the next day. I was. It was. We'll just explain it this way. I was in significant pain. As mm. if I had done an athletic workout. When I went to work the next day. Um, from how bad it had been the day before. Yeah. And like that's it. I don't. You know I don't take time off for me. Um, I was made to take time off. When I had uh, symptoms of COVID. Mm-hmm. That's it, and it's not yeah. a matter of being tougher than other people. it's a matter of recognizing um the importance of being there and needing the paycheck right and and you know that's that's it um that's uh that's not i I don't think that's abnormal for men I think most men are in that situation they take um they take very little time off. When I was a kid, my dad uh, was a teacher. And when I was in junior high, I, I rode to work with him because he taught in the junior high. Like, I was one of those kids that could never get away with anything at school because I'd get in trouble with my teacher. And then I'd get in trouble with my dad. And for a while, my uncle was the principal. So oh, wow. <laughs> and... and uh, you know if my aunt heard about it she was a teacher in another school um, you know of course then there was my mom so like th- like i never just it was like having eight bosses right oh um, if you get God. in trouble once, <laughs> you get Kill in trouble me eight now times. so i was i was a good kid um, but in any case like I, I one morning my brother and i were uh, both riding along cuz the 6th grade is also in that building or was that building's gone now Um, and so I was in the eighth grade. He was in the sixth grade. We're riding to work with dad. Dad is a little paler than normal. He's definitely not feeling well. Um, and he he pulls over to the side of the road, throws up in the gutter, um, and then, you know, closes the door and, uh, drives on to work. And I'm like, aren't you going to go home? Nope. (laughs) But you just drew up. Mom keeps us home when we throw up. Well, you're kids. I'm an adult. I don't have to go home, and I'm going to go and do my job. And I'm like, but can't you get a substitute teacher? Yes, but my job won't be done as well because I'm the one who wrote the lesson plan. You know, I, I still remember that conversation, and it was it was this is my responsibility, and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to give it to somebody else because they won't do it as well. And I care about the outcome for your classmates. And I had my dad in class. So a few hours later, I'm in class, and I can tell he is just miserable. And and it was essentially like he had just, he had worked hard the day before. Um, he had worked from like... 6 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock the next morning. Laid down for a few hours. Got back up at 6 o'clock the next morning. And, uh, and it was just starting to get rough on him at that age. And um, he worked anyway. He went to work anyway. It's like, yep, I got to throw up. Blech. Now go on to work. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, was, that was where I learned my work ethic. And, you know, I always looked up to dad for that. And my mom's the same way. You know, I, mom, um, with her five chronic pain conditions, my mom substitute yeah. taught. Man,
1: <laughs> listen, you have said enough about your mom. That, oh my gosh. that woman, she is, she, my mom was she, a juggernaut, man. <laughs> man, she, she was, was amazing. I, I really wish I had ever gotten the chance to meet her, but I wish Lord. I could have introduced
0: her to all you guys. Um she was she really was amazing. Yeah. And uh she she had so many things that she was involved in. She was very dedicated to our community and the mm-hmm. welfare of the community. Like one of the first things that I saw her do was when we moved into the neighborhood I grew up in. Um the one that I have all the stories about, right? When we first moved into that neighborhood, the local park that I grew up playing in all the time, It wasn't a place for kids to play it was an empty lot with um, the frame for a set of teeter-totters which basically was a bar that you know was like it came up three feet went across like 12 feet I think and then went back down in the ground that was it the teeter-totters were not on it but the metal parts that wrap around it that the teeter totters sit on was, was, were still on it, just hanging there and resting. Uh, there was a swing set with one swing and a bunch of spaces for swings that were gone. There was a at one time paved basketball court that had grass growing up through where the pavement used to be. Um, you know, that kind of thing, right? I, like there wasn't the, there was a space that was supposed to be a baseball diamond, but it was overgrown. And the whole thing was okay. full of glass and mm. needles and all kinds of you know, trash and stuff. And my mom went around and gathered all of the uh, women in the neighborhood and they cleaned it up. They went to um, local organizations for donations for playground equipment. And then they went to the city and said, "We have these resources. This park needs fixed up. It's discrimination to have this park not fixed up on this side of town when you pay to keep all of the other parks in in all of the rest of town fixed up." And uh, and they fixed it up, and that park is still the place that kids hang out in that neighborhood. It's still got up-to-date equipment. Um, And, like, when you go past there during the day, there are always kids in that park playing on that equipment. Uh, Like, that's my mom's immortality, right? That was her whole life. So my work ethic, my idea of what your responsibility is on a job is if you're not contagious to your coworkers and you're not incapacitated by what, what you're dealing with, you go to work. Because that's what my parents did. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they grew up on farms. All the farm kids I knew were like that. When I grew up in St. Mary's, you know, I was like surrounded by farms. um, Surrounded by uh, kids who got up at, you know, four or five in the morning to feed animals on their farms before uh, before they came into school. Yeah. So when i hear about universal child care and and the idea that other people who do not have children should pay for your child care because you didn't plan for your your uh, family before you decided to create one and i look at how hard people work to pay those taxes it's it it's kind of enraging yeah kind yeah. of when my <laughs> kids of. were little it's it's when my kids were little i worked super hard to not use the daycare system yeah and my friends and i traded childcare in order to keep our kids out of the daycare system mm-hmm. because it's not good for children and these yeah, people are talking about using that system for children universally and making people who don't have children pay for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not a women's issue.
1: Not, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest.
0: Yeah. You have the same thing with the paid family and medical leave. <laughs> paid sick time and paid leave. Those are both issues. Like, we just talked about both of those in, in what I was saying. Those are things that happen to both both sexes.
1: Right. Right. But... <laughs> You know, it's just mind numbing. Like, I, 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 don't know. I, I, I'm really at a loss for words. Like,
0: yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's not yeah. women. That, it's not just women that get sick. It's men and women, and it's not just women that ask for leave. It's men and women, but women abuse it. Oh yeah, on men's dime. Then we have the next thing, right? So we're looking at unions and worker organizing. Support for unions and and worker organizing. How? How is this a women's issue? Specifically? I'd love
1: to know how many women are even a part of a union.
0: Well, the thing is, how how many unions are exclusively made up of women? Exactly. Right. In fact most of the union movement was was uh, m- you know male oriented and most of the work done in the union movement there were women and there were women who were mover shakers in, in in these organizations but it's mostly men the heavy yeah. work is mostly men
1: exactly and that's what it really is unions are really mostly like industrial work like my dad was a union worker he was a steam fitter yeah uh, that's you know, that's I, definitely I, a union job. I I don't know. I can't remember him complaining about uh, Sarah that couldn't uh, you know weld as bet as good as the other men. You know that, that just didn't happen. Yeah. You know, and to 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 uh, again support for unions and work. what what female. These people are delusional, Hannah. Yeah, and yeah. it's driving me crazy. <laughs> and I want you to listen to the wording of this,
0: all right? So, under support for unions and worker organizing, the first sentence isn't specifically about uh, workers' rights. Unions and worker organizing are essential for achieving and sustaining gender, gender justice.
1: Gender fucking justice. Especially but, but for people especially... of color. <laughs> especially oh my god my brown skin (laughs) (laughs) i I mean mean, what the fuck (laughs) yeah
0: so like they're not actually unions do
1: unions represent everyone who pays their fucking dues which is why it's a goddamn racket if you ask me but okay, unions are good for keeping people in their jobs, I, I guess, or I'm sure they do some, I, I know someone, I, I know a certain someone is going to specifically rail against me railing against unions, Yeah, but they're, they're not necessarily beneficial and an all good thing, no, they're, they're not, not. They're
0: not necessarily needed in every workplace. No, um, absolutely are been... not historically there's there's unions have been a mixed bag and there are important things about them and then there are also you know like there's also the issue of exploitation of government power which i i oppose that now if there was no government involvement in unions um i'd be you know well that's people have the right to freedom of association and unions are a form of association Mm -hmm. Uh, collective bargaining is a, a form of association that would be their right. Guilds and and such in the his, you know historically, um, those were a way that uh, artisans and workers uh, strove to ensure quality in their in their professions um, and strove to ensure uh, fairness and safety uh, for their for their uh, professions for the people involved right. in their professions. But now we have, like, as soon as you involve there's, government there's power, lot, you have the ability right? to strong arm.
1: Exactly. Well, there's governmental laws. There's OSHA and shit like yeah. that. You know what I mean? There, there are governmental agencies that are fit to regulate that sort of thing. So unions are really not exactly necessary in yeah. that specific area. And that's right? that's and
0: another one. Like if somebody said, "Well, I'll tell you what," um, if you accept the idea of unions as as a, a collective bargaining thing that uh, employers are going to be always dealing with um, workers that are united um, in in bargaining with them, and uh, you know they they either have to um, avoid pissing off the unions, or they have to go outside of the unions. And all the good workers are probably going to unionize, right? But but we're, we'll eliminate all those government agencies, uh, or we eliminate the unions and only the government agencies are, are over this, I, I, I would vote for the unions immediately. Why? Wow, because <laughs> everything, everything government touches, it fucks it up. And there's no exceptions. Government fucks every... Even, like, eventually they even did that with the military. I used to say, well, the one thing that we need government for was uh, to, to facilitate the very few things that a nation should be doing collectively like having a military. And uh, now I've been proven wrong by the Biden administration. Like, yeah. government isn't the best uh, organization to do that. Ooh. So, yeah, like, I trust militias right now more than I trust the U.S. military. I'm really sorry to say that. I love the soldiers. I, I live around soldiers. Uh, and when I engage with soldiers in in my local life and everything they are universally, like, just completely wonderful people, um, and very stellar personalities, people that are uh, helpful even when they don't have to be, and I it breaks my heart to see what I'm seeing on the news in regard to military leadership. Yeah. But that said, um, if they had an organization that wasn't run by government that still had a, um, a um, system of authority within itself a, a uh, hierarchy right and everything it would be better for them it would be better for the country it would be better for everyone and and that's a sad thing to say because the one good thing our government should do right is maintain a defense of our country
1: yeah. and
0: it's not doing it no but uh, but back to this thing about union worker organizing unions are not about women uh-uh. right they are about the relationship between the worker regardless of demographic the worker and the employer they are about defending the workers side of that relationship. Against exploitation. That is the purpose of having a union. That is the stated purpose for their entire existence. Right? That is not gendered. It has never been gendered. And if it is being gendered, there's an agenda behind that. Right? And they're looking at something called the PRO Act here. The PRO Act would significantly strengthen the ability of private sector employees to form unions and collectively bargain for better working pay and better working conditions. So I got to wonder about that because we already have laws that protect workers who are unionizing against retaliation by -hmm. their employers. And the only news that I have seen in my lifetime about a big employer violating those laws and doing things that are obviously against um, the uh, the the whole spectrum of laws with regard to unionizing is a woke company. Like Starbucks is constantly getting criticized for that as their employees are trying to unionize.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I have found that in... Retail and food service, unions are not an effective defense. Um, the people in the worker um, population that are involved, like the steward in your in your uh, store, are too overloaded to pay attention to the things they need to be paying attention to in order to defend their co-workers. And I've seen this consistently in union um Retail and union food service establishments and it's not Necessarily a flaw in unionization so much as a a flaw in trying to combine unionization the normal Methods that they use for unionization With a work environment that hectic and chaotic and overloaded Um, And so it's not a good fit it's not to say that workers in those jobs don't deserve um, the opportunity to, uh, to also engage in collective bargaining. Um, but uh, there has to be a better way to do it than the way unions are doing it currently. And they should update their, their methods to fit the workplace. <clears throat> and they haven't done that. Um, but that's not a women's issue. And I don't mm-hmm. think a new law is necessarily needed to, to do that. So it makes me wonder what's in this PRO Act that uh, is different than what we have. And why women are being used as a shield to adv- advocate for it.
1: Uh, the only thing that I can think of is money. Money towards funding for these groups that are signing up for this fucking letter. You know, but what is it going to do? Nothing but fill the line, the pockets of the people who who uh, uh, inhabit these organizations. You know, it's not going to do anything to change anything, because, again, these are not gender issues. Exactly. It's not not going to fix the problem. Even if the problems that they are claiming exist are actually legitimate problems the way they're trying to go about even addressing the problems are not the way to, to begin you know you, you're just starting off on the wrong foot ending in a bad premise and just derping all the way there you know all the way to the bank
0: <laughs> yep and and the like part of the problem um i have with this is that a lot of, of uh these types of unions um, have been used as a money laundering thing to, to mm-hmm. funnel money to politicians and mm-hmm. and their supporters yeah um, and uh, like I that, there's not a way to sugarcoat that and uh, that needs to change too and women can't be a shield for that either no right and then we have um, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and the Inflation Redu- Reduction Act listed next, under Good and Safe Jobs. This again, let's let's talk about this being a women's issue. <laughs> Something like 95 percent of workplace fatalities are, are men, <laughs> not women. Men, right? The people who do the jobs where there is most likely to be a workplace fatality, that being jobs that involve driving a vehicle of some sort, are men. The it largest makes... uh, uh, segment, the largest category of workplace fatalities are roadway accidents. That yeah. means truckers, people who are driving construction vehicles, people who are driving emergency vehicles people who are driving um you know delivery vehicles uh, and so yes men
1: not women yeah and you know it makes you wonder what exactly do they consider a good job and what exactly are they trying to be safe from in these jobs that they want these good and safety jobs safe jobs that they want what are you trying to be safe from?
0: <laughs> because well, the
1: jobs yeah. that you're getting you're you're not you, these women are not out there in these high uh, you know these highly dangerous jobs they're not taking these jobs men inhabit those jobs. so what kind of safety do you want at your job? No, women what, what, are not even a the speaking? ones
0: climbing to the top of a radio tower to change the light bulb, <laughs> which has less fatalities they, they, per capita they, than they,
1: they won't <laughs> even change the fucking battery in their goddamn smoke alarms. Okay, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Want... Like, but it's but it's but it's up by the ceiling. You, I have to yeah. reach up. <laughs> it's like, it, it becomes white noise at some point to some people. I don't. I don't understand it. It. It drives me insane. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I hear it in the background, I'm like, okay, if you don't hear that, then there's something fucking wrong with you, and your opinions are now invalid. Go change your fucking battery. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I, there's only one thing that women are conscientious about uh, changing their batteries in, and it's definitely <laughs> there. Might it might have something to do with smoke, but the smoke alarm <laughs> is if your smoke alarm goes off because of that. You have a problem. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> how did how did we get here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we did not drive a truck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you look at this. So these these um, these laws that they're these bills that they're talking about were not about necessarily jobs. The Inflation Reduction Act did the opposite. Of reducing inflation and may, in fact, be setting off the early stages of oh, hyperinflation.
1: God. Um, that combined with, you know, just sending pallets of money over to overseas countries that. Whole boats of
0: money. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and, of course, the, the Jobs Act. It, 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 this is another thing that politicians do. They pass a law to do something that they don't want you to to object to. They name it the opposite of what it's going to achieve.
1: I, I was just going to ask because I'm completely ignorant of this thing. What the fuck is a Jobs Act? Because oh. if it's anything like the Inflation Reduction Act, uh <laughs> I'm getting some bad vibes here. What the so, fuck is a Jobs Act? Like what what
0: you keep We keep hearing about these omnibus bills. Well, uh, this is one of those omnibus bills. It does a shitload of things that are not related to jobs. And then it has a few lines in there about the employer-employee relationship um, that further restrict employers and impose conditions on employers and actually make it harder to hire people and make it harder to find a job. And, and um, of course... Now, I, I can't remember whether it's in that law or the Inflation Reduction Act, which one of them has the um, federal minimum wage going up. But one of them is doing that. Mm. Um, and then they're imposing uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And I will always say it that way because the acronym is more accurate, if you yes. say it that way. That's yes. um, what society will do. Uh, so that's that's basically it. Um, here's a, they, they want to. Um, it says for those jobs to be filled in an equitable way. More effort must be put into making these work sites free of harassment and abuse, responsive to trauma experienced by workers, and inclusive of childcare and other support, supportive services. So, well, to address these things, we already have anti harassment laws out the wazoo. We Mm -hmm. already have a system in place that they asked for to address harassment and abuse. And when there is harassment and abuse, that system already applies the progressive stack to the situation. So if somebody is engaging in workplace bullying, for instance, and their target complains, if the bully... Is in a more preferred position on the progressive stack and the target is in a less preferred position on the progressive stack their complaint gets considered harassment and abuse Mm -hmm. Um, the trauma experienced by workers all right so let's talk workers comp here is what happens when you get injured at work you are told to fill out paperwork Your workplace and the workers' comp system then limits your choice in medical care. You have to go to specific doctors and facilities in order to obtain any care that is eligible for coverage under the workers' comp system. They do this through placing requirements for um, methodology and billing on on. Uh, any physician that wants to be um, qualified uh, certified as a workers comp physician so you can't treat people for workers comp injuries if you don't meet those those uh, standards and then they're either your business is going to specialize in that or you don't want to do it at all there's not really in between. So you are sent to businesses. You are sent to physicians and facilities that specialize in that. And it's, it's exactly like uh, human resources. Human resources doesn't exist to help the employee. They exist to prevent the employer from getting sued. And the workers' comp system doesn't exist to help the injured worker they exist to prevent the employer from getting uh being forced to pay for the injury yeah. so you amass thousands of dollars of medical care through these expensive workers comp certified health care providers and then your employer fights the workers comp complaint and you are um considered your complaint is considered illegitimate unless proven legitimate
1: mm-hmm
0: and even if the injury took place in the workplace, even if it was on the job, even if it was due to unsafe conditions, if your employer can come up with any argument at all that blames you for it or can keep you from getting to the hearing, you know, or anything like that, uh, you're going to lose your hearing and you have to actually then pay for a lawyer and go to court.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have a <laughs> little story that I want to say about this. So we we had one guy who was working on a car. And, you know, as per the repair instructions, when you're doing this specific repair, you're supposed to disconnect the battery so that when so the um the airbags don't go off in the car, oh, right?
0: Geez, yeah, because that can hurt.
1: Well you. well, dumbass didn't read the instructions. Didn't disconnect the battery and even though he was he really was nowhere Really near the airbags going off, so there was no way that he got injured by it. But that's yeah. what he claimed. That's what he claimed happened. And uh, needless to say, he's not really. He's he's he did not win that case because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. <laughs> you know. On the
0: other but, hand, I have seen um, people who were legitimately injured also not when I've been legitimately yeah. injured and not not won my case. Um, yeah. And uh, that that's another one. Like I uh, genuinely um, had a like I had a heat sickness injury because my employer created an environment that was ridiculously and unnecessarily hot, and then didn't give me breaks. Um, which like that was in environments that you are normally expected to be hot, you have the right to take breaks. Like, it's not a legal right, but your employer does give you that right because they don't want this kind of injury. Um, And they got out of it. Uh, You know, like, they ended up, because I filed workers' comp, um, OSHA came in and investigated that workplace, and they ended up finding, finding other problems. They don't have regulations, or they didn't have regulations regarding heat at the time. Um, but uh, the employer got fined for no less than six other um, safety issues. The worst part about it was they were all safety issues that I, as the safety point person, had highlighted multiple times in my paperwork, at one point getting written up for repeatedly highlighting uh, a specific issue and getting told that it was not a safety issue. (laughs) Until... um, It was not a safety issue because the company... It would be inconvenient for the company to fix it. That was what I was told. Convenience makes it not dangerous. Um, So if something happened to the seatbelts in my car, uh, and I just... It was inconvenient for me to replace them, but then I run into something at, at, you know, 70 miles per hour, will I magically not go through the windshield because it was inconvenient for me to fix the safety belt? The seat belt? Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, like, my argument was real simple, right? But no. (laughs) Um, Not until OSHA came in and said, no, your convenience doesn't change the law. This is is a requirement. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you really, you can't trust... um, in those laws. But that's not the kind of trauma they're talking about, right? They're talking about yes. uh the trauma of being a woman in the workplace. <laughs> oh my god. Dun 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 <laughs>
1: I mean, listen, I experience trauma in my workplace every time I go into the bathroom and there's someone else in there taking a shit. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's traumatic because that's the only place I have to go. I have no other place to go and take a dump in private. It, it's humiliating people and I'm sorry I shouldn't be subjected to this, okay?
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> I go back to that gas station. I'll tell you the trauma, restroom trauma, um, you go into the women's restroom and discover that Picasso was in there. Uh, <laughs> like that—that that definitely is traumatic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I just. And and the the law that they're promoting with this is called the Workplace Investment, Investment. and Opportunity Act. <sighs> so whose opportunity are they limiting with this law? Well, I'll, well. I'll give you one guess. Actually, I'll give you two guesses. But the first one. The first one doesn't count. Doesn't
1: count. Yeah, uh, because
0: <laughs> I, I I guarantee you it's it's definitely not women. I don't know. And uh, like now that was uh, that law was actually signed into law on July twenty second, uh, mm. twenty fourteen. So it's a a law that already exists. They're actually reauthorizing it, um, which means they will have updated it. But what this law does is, uh, well, their own website, WIOA, is landmark legislation that is designed to strengthen and improve our nation's public workforce system and help get Americans, including youth and those with significant barriers to employment, into high-quality jobs and careers and help employers hire and retain skilled workers. So, what, so barriers, what barriers are we talking about?
1: The only barrier that I can see is this little uh, dot over here, and inclusive of childcare and other supportive services. Mm. So you mean you get to go and shit out a bunch of kids and you think that your employer is supposed to hold your job for you. You, you, you deserve a place in the workforce even though you have... Obligated yourself um, yeah. to to other people and other things. Come on, come the fuck on. How does this work? How is this supposed to work?
0: So the you way know, this the way we, this works we, <laughs> is this agency is the agency that funds paying your employer uh, through tax benefits and other benefits. If when two people apply for a position in the company. If one of them is a minority or is on uh, temporary assistance for needy families, being like food stamps, payments, um, Medicaid, stuff like that, um, any of these programs, but specifically uh, food stamps and, and cash assistance, I think are the actual TANF program. Um, if they're in that program, they get considered, uh, their, their, their consideration is more heavily weighted in their favor. Um, if they are oh. a minority, if they are a woman, um consideration is more heavily weighted in their favor
1: um, but but by who by, by the employer the, by, by, but, uh, uh, bullshit yeah,
0: bullshit. the employer is forced to do it, that by well, it, or is it just, uh, paid to it, do that, not forced. It, they're paid to do that.
1: They're paid to hire people that are yep with a tax so- credit. Okay, <laughs> that's a fucking problem But yeah. the, the the thing is You know In the long term These are not really going to, Not in every circumstance Right, of course there's going to be people Who desperately, you know They need the opportunity, right A majority, a vast majority Of, of these people are going to waste These opportunities Because these are not high paying jobs These are not career changing jobs Right. These are get in the door, maybe do some light filing, maybe some paperwork, maybe answer some phones. You're not like reinventing the company model, you know,
0: when it comes to TANF job seekers, you see a lot of people going into retail. So you're Mm -hmm. they're applying to work at a cash register. They're applying to um, work in the stock room uh, to stock shelves in a store to unload trucks you know they're not applying for high paying jobs they're applying for jobs that actually all too often don't get them out fully out of the welfare program Um, they may become ineligible for t-a-n-f but -hmm. they will still receive things like medicaid rental assistance um, sometimes utility assistance their income won't go high enough to be ineligible for all programs right and uh, and then the other thing is if you have a guy um, applying for a job versus a uh, mother of four who is on t-a-n-f has no um, no man at home and she is the sole caregiver for her kids and, you know, pre- previously maybe a company might have looked at the two of them, the single guy versus mom with four kids. He's going to have better attendance, so that can weigh in his favor. She's got to have job skills or experience or something that weighs in her favor to make her um, preferable because of right. how she's going to do the job. Right. And they will hire the person who's going to be a better employee. But exactly. if they get that tax credit, it offsets all the days that she's going to call in sick or all the days Which... that she's going to call in mom oh god right and uh, so they hire her she but, works for see, a while okay. she gets but, fed up but, with that workplace and goes somewhere okay. else
1: okay exactly and and see that's the other point that i was going to make is that these jobs tend to be also high turnover jobs right mm-hmm. um but this so, is part right. of why exactly and so all right so we're paying this bitch to sit at home because she has she's having a mom day right yep that doesn't absolve the company of needing to fulfill some that position so someone else is going to have to Typically, a man is going to have to fill in for her position, do her job, maybe do her job and his job at the same time, and still only collect one paycheck. Meanwhile, she's sitting her ass at home taking care of these kids that she didn't foresee. She didn't, uh, you know, she didn't think ahead. She didn't love them before she
0: conceived them. She
1: didn't love the kids before she had them. Yep. She started a family couldn't fucking finish it and now she wants a, a safety net out of this place. And I'm sorry, but I have less than zero sympathy for these people.
0: Yeah, that's that's basically my position. And I mean I've I've taken advantage of this system in a different way. Um, and and that is probably the bulk of overtime that I have worked in the last 20 years has been uh, when, Somebody that was a T A and F hire uh, called off to to be at home because Junior had a one degree fever, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, or because uh, like Junior had a bad. Now there was there was one one mom that I had a lot of respect for when I worked at the gas station. Her uh, her situation was um, different. An engagement was broken when um, there was suddenly a baby on the way. Like, somebody got cold feet. And they were in the process of reconciling, and it took them about ten years to get their balance. And a lot of it was because his mom convinced him that her needing him as a partner for her parenthood was a weakness. That women don't need men to make families, um, so it, it she had to convince him and had to get him to understand through um, what I would refer to as a form of gentle teaching, where uh, she she constantly, you know, was was loving and caring and patient and encouraged him to um, step into the role and fill it as at his comfort level um, she got very frustrated but it, eventually he decided that his mom was full of shit mm. right the under the underlying thing was like those were his kids he bonded with them he loved them and he wanted to guide them growing up well their one of their kids was autistic and his autism was severe enough that he was nonverbal he had um... It, like, an inability to interact with the, the rest of the people around him. Uh, he was very, very internally centered. And it was completely disabling. And after all of the work that his parents did with him... Like, the last time I saw that young man, he was speaking. He was able to communicate um, effectively with other people. Like, full sentences and everything... And like he he wasn't gonna look you in the eye, but you know who cares? Like you know he's facing you and talking to you, and uh, you know he'll say your name, and and then he'll say what he wants to tell you, and he listens uh, to what you say, and processes it and answers it, and he recognizes you know other people's um, other people's independent thoughts as something from outside of himself, and that is a huge step forward. He's, a, he's able to go to school. Like, he didn't look like he was ever going to be able to go to school. Huge difference having um, a, a very dedicated mom and having his father involvement. Like, his grandmother almost destroyed all of that. Mm. And uh, but But in any case, like, the overwhelming majority of times when I've worked with a situation like that, the mother had a baby with a father who was not... She didn't make a plan to become a mother with him. She didn't make... They didn't uh, plan together to become parents. They had sex, and then she chose for them to become parents. And she ended up being a single mom, and uh, then she ended up, you know, not having a network. Like, I, I worked at keeping contact with... Friends whose kids were, were my kids' age, so that we could enjoy each other's company. Well, you, know, you know, take our kids' places together. Um, our kids could enjoy each other. We knew we were uh, putting kids in a group that all the kids in the group were being raised with similar values, so their friends weren't going to make fun of them for their values because that was their friends' values as well. You know, it was kind of an. Um, You could call it an echo chamber, but I mean, all those kids went to school, so they were around kids that that had different upbringing than themselves in other circumstances, and this is more of a safe space to, you know, cut up and and cut loose with people who aren't going to impose that on you at that time.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, these parents didn't do that. These parents would call off all the time, Mm. right? That's what the Workplace Investment and Opportunity Act resulted in. So, And I watched my employer turn down workers that came in and applied um, that were stellar workers. These are people that, uh, like Marines would come in, ex-Marines would come in that that wanted jobs and uh, didn't want the types of, of, of jobs where they're working nine to five um, that hadn't been, aside from the military, they hadn't been in the workplace yet. Um, and they were, so they were looking for a job to, to maybe, maybe go uh, up the ladder or maybe be a, a step towards a better job at another company at some point. And they would be preempted by these single moms who were not going to be there. Because you know, if you're a white male, you don't. The government doesn't pay your employer a penny for hiring you. Mm-hmm. But if you are female, a minority, and on TANF, there are three different programs that the government might might uh, give your your employer tax breaks from. Like that's, that's just crazy. It's Investment and opportunity. <laughs> Who's
1: opportunity? I, I, I. I'm. I'm thinking about this being applied to the place where I work. Yep. And holy shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, women really wouldn't survive in my environment right they, they just don't right but even still it's just you know you people need stability like jobs yeah. require stability that's how you maintain a customer base by being consistent you know having a new face in the in in the front of your storefront every time a customer comes in. That's not stability, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, juggling personnel and and trying to put fit people in where they maybe really don't belong in the first place. I, I don't. It just seems so anti productive to a, a, a business setting.
0: Yep. So we look at this, right? So what's going on here? None of this is about women, but it is being used to take opportunities away from single men, Mm -hmm. particular single men. Um, And, of course, if they happen to be white, that happens to them on an even higher level, right? And we do the same thing. Fair pay is uh, uh, is an attack on hazard pay shift differentials, overtime incentives, um work attendance incentives. There are um times where my company does a thing where they they have an initiative where they reward uh good attendance. If you haven't got like if you are late, you get we have a point system and you get a a point or half a point. If you miss a shift that you're supposed to work, you get a point. You know, that kind of thing. Um, they don't point you for not picking up shifts or anything like that. They just reward you when you do, and you don't get the reward if you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but that's the way that's treated. And I think a lot of employers do that. Um, well, they'll have uh, times when they're going through staffing difficulties and stuff where they run... Um, a reward system you you know if you've got a point we'll remove it if you pick up extra shifts or if you have no points um like your attendance has been so good that you have no points right now um you know you get you get a bonus and it's not necessarily like a supersized bonus but it might buy you a week's worth of groceries uh although right now it won't even fill your tank with gas oh yeah but uh but yeah, like those are things that employers do to um to get people to to do work that's over and above what the minimum is, like, you know, uh and and those are taken away. So that's what that's about. That's not about women. It's about um actually taking something away again from men, all those incentives. Yeah. And uh so we have issue after issue here that is tax men to pay for this program and um, pass laws to control the employer-employee relationship, Um, tax men to pay for these programs, uh, again, and universal income, a universal income program. Like, uh, none of this is female-centered. It is a progressive or even collectivist, communist wish list that is being camouflaged under a uh, very thin veil of feminizing it as women's Mm -hmm. issues when it's not issues that are like it's not that women are excluded from these issues or anything but they are not uniquely about women or primarily about women so all that's being done here is using uh, the concept of women's rights as a shield against criticism. You can't argue against the passage of these bills or you're a misogynist. Yeah. The real reason for this letter has absolutely nothing to do with women or feminism. No. It is, you can't argue against these genderless programs and these genderless uh, policies or you're a misogynist.
1: Yeah, this thing, <laughs> you know, the more I scroll down, uh, the, the bigger the pit in my stomach gets. Yeah. Um, good God. I just don't even... Like, where to begin? Where do we end? (laughs) Yeah.
0: We go down, we have an attack on due process, even though we already have laws. Like, they want to reauthorize uh, the Family Violence Prevention and Services Act, including the Violence Against Women Act, which was an update to the Family Violence Prevention and Services Act that gendered it. Um... They want more money Money for, uh, they, they call it expanding sexual assault funding. Obviously, they mean organization, uh, funding for organizations that handle, um, sexual assault cases. Because <laughs> they don't, they're not, this isn't about juvenile detention centers where the sexual assault of boys by the female prison guards is being funded as we speak. Um, this is this is about organizations that uh, capitalize <clears throat> on um, the feminist concept of sexual violence uh, um, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and I really because I'm disturbed actually reading this I hadn't I hadn't paused on this one but holy shit expand sexual assault funding right now my thinking right my my layman's brain my my dumb brain thinks okay well you know sexual assault funding well maybe that's that's funding to like help find the you know the 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 people who are doing this sexual assault right No, no that's not what this is this is this is you know, because there's something there, right? I, I understand the argument that there's so many things that happen, and these, these, the, you know, the police are are overcrowded with all of these cases, and they just don't have the resources. They just don't have the ability to get to all of them, and in, in, in a due amount of time. So maybe that's where this funding is supposed to be going, right? To help to to help these people find the the goddamn the, the criminals. Yep. No, no. The cost of housing, housing, food, safety, <laughs> child care, child,
0: yeah, chi, and housing. legal fees. Oh
1: wait, 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 wait. Because housing, food, safety, and protection, child care, all become before legal fees. You know they don't. They shouldn't
0: have child care in there because they want women who get pregnant um, during a rape to abort. Yeah. Yeah. So they shouldn't need child care. Holy right? shit! Like, not Holy not shit. as a result of the rape, anyway. Like So we already but have they, covered if, all if of they, these issues in other they, paragraphs, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, I, child care, I see they could throw that in there, because if that person also has existing children, you know, oh my god, they're... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. But, but Lauren... Glad.
0: If I had not been sexually assaulted ever during my lifetime, I would have been competent and um, tough enough, right? Stoic enough to just live outdoors Mm -hmm. without food (laughs) in the middle of a high crime neighborhood with no uh, fear. And my kids could have run wild and it would have been just fine. Exactly. Right? So, all of those things, I only need those things after having experienced a sexual assault. I was totally fine with just being a hobo until the sexual assault. Like that, that changed everything. And suddenly I discovered that, like the entire rest of the human population, I particularly enjoy being indoors during a thunderstorm.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, that's and what made me, that's what made me want to live indoors.
1: So, like that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Sorry. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, and, and here's the other thing that needs to be brought up, um, because we're, this, this paragraph is talking about these people as if they are definitively victims of sexual violence, not yeah. as, you know what I mean, because the, the there could be plenty of lies surrounding this incident that this woman is now claiming to be a, a, a sexual assault. Yeah. But it's just, a, it seems in the way that they're wording this here, that it's just assumed that uh, I, I I'm obviously I, I said that that man assaulted me. So I'm a victim and no, I didn't press charges, but I'm still a victim. So yep. wh- where am I? Like,
0: like, well, and here's the thing. Like, even if even if we say like all right, in terms of these women getting all these services um we'll say we'll say they're all victims just for the sake of argument uh, even though we know that a very significant percentage of sexual assault claims are um are are false mm-hmm. all right uh so what are they funding the uh office on on violence against women mm. which uh basically is a clearinghouse for grants for feminist organizations Um, their sexual assault services program funds um, a lot of uh, women's shelters but a lot of that money goes to pay administrators Um, it funds things like when you um when you go uh, to university when you start out as a freshman one of the things in your orientation will be a class on consent the people who teach that class developed a set of materials and published them and used them in that class and they get paid for presenting that class they get paid for the use of their materials and they make a shitload of money on that that funding comes from the office of violence against women sexual assault services program And the uh, CDC Rape Prevention and Education Program at the Health and Human Services Department, which is what they're talking about here. So they're basically demanding funding for feminist programs that that, uh, gender studies graduates get jobs in. So it's money laundering, really. Mm
1: -hmm. Basically.
0: And uh, it's money laundering using an issue that is not gendered that women are not the only victims of this. Um, we, we know that a high percentage, about, about half of rape victims are male. Uh, and we know that pretty close to half, in comparison to what feminists will tell you, of perpetrators are female. And there is some evidence that more than half of perpetrators are female, particularly if the victim is underage uh so there's there's something to consider they're they're using women for this but actually it's a genderless issue again
1: yeah and And... but the thing and the thing about this is that even though you know i was well and who's to say that men wouldn't also need child care but really women are the ones that need the child care right I, it really feels like they're gearing this towards the women because imagine being a man stepping up and saying hey I, I'm a victim of sexu- sexual assault and I might need some housing and yeah. some assistance with some food am I going to take priority over a woman who claims also claims to be a victim but has kids and is trying to fight some legal battle <laughs> you know what I mean no I, this is Clearly, clearly not. The, well, at least their, the impetus and behind them asking for money for the funding for this is not to help men, even though this is a genderless issue. It's clearly meant to be for the women's.
0: Yep, yep. Um So, tree surgeon wants to know where the evidence is. Look in the um, bureau. Of justice uh, statistics Mm -hmm. where they uh, report on uh, perpetration of sexual misconduct in the prison system both the juvenile and adult prison systems and you will find that although when it's staff misconduct although less than half of staff are women in particular we know in the juvenile system and this is consistent throughout the United States and Canada, over 90% of perpetration is done by women um, report when, when inmates report staff sexual misconduct. And in the adult prison system, the same thing is true. The overwhelming majority of perpetration is, is female perpetrators, despite them being a minority of employees, But to add insult to injury, the system treats this as a condition imposed on the staff by the inmates. Mm -hmm. That the inmates, by being sexually exploited by staff, are victimizing the staff that are exploiting them in their prison situation where they can't leave. Yeah, Starless Sky, that's a good way to put it. it it's their captive Tinder. Only mm-hmm. on Tinder, the other person can swipe, I don't know whether it's left or right, whichever is the direction that you go when you're like, nah, not this one. They, they, in the prison system, you don't get an option. You're incarcerated. They can retaliate if you turn them Oops. down, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and you don't, want to be retaliated against for that by a woman I can tell you that um, oh. it is a horrible experience and uh, I'm not even gonna discuss it so uh, but in any case yeah so we're looking at funding for what is again money laundering um, and and yeah victim blaming they don't have no problem victim blaming men uh, but we're gonna skip this stuff about um, you know race and LGBT tq stuff because it's we've kind of touched on that before pathways to healing and safety for women and girls is redundant uh policies and practices that secure sustained safe uh, sustainable safe affordable accessible housing for survivors because they need it more than everybody else also redundant but this one really got my goat reduce homicides oh well that's wow. definitely a men's issue right i mean the overwhelming majority of homicide victims are men
1: i would love to know how they propose that congress does this how, how, how does congress supposed to reduce homicide?
0: Well, see, they want that that tough guy uh, Graham to follow everyone around, <laughs> and when someone tries to kill you, he's gonna step in and be so tough that they'll run away. Ah, got it. Or 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 <laughs> you can you can choose you know somebody else like um, uh, AOC, like walk with AOC, and if somebody is gonna try to kill you, she can do the the uh, scanner stare at them. And they'll be so terrified that their head is going to explode that they'll run away. (laughs) But seriously, so this this is, reduce homicides. You would assume, you would expect that this paragraph is going to be about the egregious problems that contribute to the growing issue of male-on-male violence. Like they, they're, and this is, this is something that, you know, when I talk about this, I'm not labeling it male violence out of hand. It's not male violence. It's male on male violence for resources. Um, But what, what do uh, the men that do this for the most part, what do they try to obtain with those resources? What do they try to, to increase in their lives with those resources well, their ability to get laid, right? Bitches and hoes, right? So, yeah, like most of the most of the um, culture, most of the m- cultural media, the entertainment, the music, all that 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 comes out of the um, phenomena that lead to the largest number of violent crimes against men is glorifying the ability to get laid by a woman yep like their goal their entire goal in life is increasing their their sexual prowess their their sexual desire desirability um it's not just living a life of luxury like the life of luxury is nice but it's a tr- it's it's to attract the bitches and hoes, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. not after just the dollars. You're not after just the hot tub. You're not after just the nice clothes, just the nice car. That's all to attract a partner. But mm-hmm. what is this paragraph actually about? An abuser's access to a firearm increases the risk of intimate partner homicide fivefold. The 118th Congress should fully close the dating partner loophole... By prohibiting respondents to dating violence uh, protective orders from possessing firearms or ammunition, what? and close the stalking loophole by prohibiting individuals convicted of a misdemeanor crime of sta- a misdemeanor oh, oh crime of oh, stalking oh from possessing oh firearms.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God!
0: <laughs> now I just want to say, FAWA already does that. Okay? So they when they propose something like this, it's a trick. Because to get this passed in another law, they have to write another law. And if they write another law in regard to gun restrictions, that's not going to be the only restriction in it.
1: No. Of course not. Uh, uh- <laughs> Cong- Congress, would you please, please, sir, would you, would you revoke... Um, our constitutional rights, please?
0: Please? Please? No, no. no. Just men's. They just want them to revoke men's rights.
1: Right. Fuck you. Fuck.
0: Yeah. So, um, if (laughs) if I'm reading this correctly, this is you now cannot argue against gun control or you're a misogynist. that's that's that we have just laundered gun control as a a political issue it is now a feminist issue and you can't you can't contradict feminists on this because they're pro-women
1: see now all right and so this is coming off the heels of of the the video that you did in response to that that uh country music song yeah Wait in the truck, right? She gonna, he gonna, she gonna wait in the truck. Yep. Um, well, so, I, I wonder how the women in that comment section of that video would, would feel about, you know, reducing someone's ability to own a fire. I really don't think that they'd really be in favor of uh their man not having a gun to go and carry out... Um, vigilante justice on another person they'd be perfectly fine with a firearm in that situation right when a when a man is then using this power to de- defend her honor yeah right, right?
0: defender and 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 that is her honor that he's defending because you, know, you think about it now granted in that situation, most people would not pick up some stranger on the street. Like, I'm sorry, but when I first saw the beginning of that video, all right, I mean, I have read and listened to a gazillion creepypasta stories that start out with a guy driving along and suddenly they're in, in a storm and suddenly mm-hmm. there's a woman in the middle of the road out in the rain. Okay. Yeah. And. <laughs> You know, usually she's either a a vengeful spirit or an evil spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't do that. You don't pick up that lady because either she's going to drown you, she's going to make your car go off the road, or Mm -hmm. she's going to try to eat you while you're driving. Face first. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or throat first, you know, something along those lines, like, or you're gonna be driving along and she vanishes from the car. Like that's what those the story starts out with a woman standing in the middle of the road during a storm that like, but I honestly, I think that guy was trying to capitalize on the popularity of and the thunder rolls. Of, you know, like then that, that's that mm. song, like i I the song was well intentioned. Most people are only aware. Of the tiny percentage of domestic violence uh, that involves a, a man who unilaterally perpetrates, due to his own uh, personality dysfunction, like things that have have uh, he has become um, in his life that uh, are are not normal masculine traits, right? So most people don't really have a level of a good level of awareness of the type of domestic violence where the woman starts the fight by hitting first. And then if it's two way, you know, a lot of times that it's because the woman doesn't um, allow the man to walk away Mm -hmm. from the, from the conflict, but keeps Mm -hmm. pursuing him until he hits back. Um, Right. And, you know, you have, then you also have, the higher percentage of one-way violence which is feel female only perpetrated where the the guy doesn't um and and in those circumstances you know sometimes it's a guy with a superior level of self-control um sometimes it's a woman with an inferior level of vi- capacity for violence um mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just he's so afraid of the consequences, um, or she's, she's capable of stopping herself after the initial violence. She never gets really bad. Uh, but most of the time, I think it's just men's self-control, uh, men's level of self-control. But this, this, uh, weight in the Truck, is like, so when I was growing up, there was a, a restaurant uh, in Lima that I loved to go to called the Kewpie. It was a really, um, you know, great burgers, great everything. And, I particularly loved going there, to the point when, where when I got a job in Lima and I worked around the corner from the QP. I literally ate there every day for six months. Um, totally, <laughs> totally gave myself digestive issues from eating beef for lunch every single day, but, uh, but still, it was that good, right? And there's a chain, everybody knows it, Wendy's, that was inspired by that restaurant. Um, it was, I think, inspired by one of the Cupies in Michigan, and uh, Michiganders will know what I'm talking about when I say those are some of the best burgers out there. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, when when you look at Wendy's, I, like most people might consider them to be a better burger than, say, McDonald's. Um, they're definitely uh, bigger and they're definitely juicier and so on, but. If You Grew Up With The Kewpie Wendy's is as good as they are um, a sad sorry dried out imitation mm. and honestly um, you know The Thunder Rolls is is stereotypical, it's cheesy um, it's intended to draw attention to an issue, it's preachy but it's not It's it, it's it's not a great song but it's Passable as country music, um, yeah. and it resonated with people because of their understanding um, of of domestic violence through that lens, right? And that, right or wrong, it actually uh, had its place. Um, it's definitely not my favorite song. I can tell you that right now, um, <laughs> but wait in the truck is a sad sorry dried out imitation yeah. it was even more tropey, even more stereotypical even more full of bullshit it has to be like i i thought that the the country song i would hate the most for my whole life um for for an odd reason uh was achy breaky heart
1: mhm
0: nope this song <laughs> like, blows that out of the water. <laughs> that It's like a nuclear bomb blasting the water, you know, sky high, um, for how much different weight in the truck is in comparison to uh, other country music. I just I'll, That song pisses me off so much. And the <laughs> video. So, and that's the thing. Reduce homicides, okay? So that is, that is unequivocally... Um, undeniably a men's issue. Mm -hmm. And the method needed, the methodology needed to reduce violence is unequivocally, undeniably a men's freedom issue. Yeah. A taxpayer issue, which is a men's issue. A father's rights issue.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And, and a uh, criminal justice issue, which is a men's issue. Because we also have our, our criminal justice system cultivates uh, dysfunction and leads to higher crime rate. And, and then punishes men for being programmed within the system starting during their boyhood to not be able to do better. And, and yeah. uh, so the murder rate in the United States is a result, largely a result, of government interference in families and men's freedom. And it is funded by male taxpayers and used to create a mostly male slave system, wherein you go to prison and your labor is hired out and you don't get paid. Right. But what do they do? They want to use it for gun control. And uh, and they're going to launder know. it through women's issues. So you, the person more likely to want or need a gun for self-defense because you're more likely to get attacked, do not have the right to decide for yourself whether that, that choice is for, is, is for you, whether that option is for you. Yeah. Right, So uh, we can sort of look... There's more the criminalization of women and mothers. That paragraph is about um, basically exempting women from the same uh, criminal accountability as, as men. More women are being held accountable for criminal perpetration now. So what do they say? The fastest growing prison population in the nation is women because when they commit crimes, they're being convicted now. Um, United States has the highest incarceration rate for women in the world because women are not held accountable anywhere else. Um, And then they do the stereotypical women in prison are victims of uh, gender-based and or intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. They don't look into whether uh, any of the men in prison are you know, they they really didn't want to look into sexual abuse of men in prison. And and then they do the same thing, the crimes victim fund. Right? So the crime victims fund, one problem with it is this. If you pay people to be crime victims, you will have more people reporting crimes that never happened. <laughs> exactly. And now there's funding for systems that like you, you got to get out of the home of, of um, your abuser, like you, you're living in a home with someone and they're beating you and you need someplace else to live. You go stay at a shelter. That's reasonable, right? Um, but we're well, we're also going to give you a few thousand dollars to spend. Why? Mm-hmm. You're in a shelter. you do not need housing paid for, your food is covered and everything. They can help you get back on your feet getting gain, gainful employment um and then move into an apartment and so on uh you do not need a payment a payment does nothing like no. it just like you might use it for things obviously but it, it's not necessarily well, part of your recovery
1: no exactly you know and and on top of which you know you give people money they will find ways to waste it You know, it doesn't necessarily help people out of their situation because people tend to, especially people who are in need of money, will spend that money on things that don't necessarily, they might make them feel better in the short term, but don't actually help them get out of their situation in the long term. People
0: are more careless with money they're handed than money
1: they had to work for. Exactly, exactly, you know It's just like, all you know, these stimulus checks That have been just ladled upon <laughs> society the, These past couple of years With uh, the, the coup thing And, yeah. you know, for understandable reasons Because they, they decided to shut our economy down So, of course, they placated people By printing more money And bo- making us believe that It was really help Even though what they're really doing is whittling away your pensions.
0: No. Yep. (laughs) They're taking um, out of (sighs) your pocket to pay, uh, you know, well, essentially to pay liars. You know, like, because it's not just people who actually are crime victims. It's just, it's people who claim to be crime victims. Right. So there you go. We
1: we are robbing Peter to pay... (laughs) P- Polski <laughs> robbing yep. Peter to pay Polski
0: <laughs> and this is this is pretty much as you go down through the rest of this list you are seeing um, the the uh, Voting rights act um, of you know you're seeing um, the the attack on voter registration so the idea that like, uh, and on 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 voter ID and so on, they want to modernize voter registration, uh, but their their method um, includes like people registering online, uh, where they they wouldn't necessarily be able to confirm their identity. Um, people going to door to door and collecting registrations, where you can't necessarily confirm that they confirm the identity. Um, you know, like. It, it when I took my son to register to vote, um they already had him in the system because he had filled out his uh, selective service registration and that automatically registered him to vote. Wow. Um, I kind of looked at that and I'm like, on one hand, yes, it's good that he's registered to vote now on the other hand um and and there was confirmation of ID, but on the other hand, it, it just it it's less secure when you do that. Um, and they mm-hmm. probably figured that nobody's going to register for selective service uh, with, uh, you know with, with um, if it's not the person that they're registering. like they're they're not going to mm-hmm. bring selective service to their door. If they don't have to right so yeah. he is who he says he is but it's still um, it's still galling like they didn't ask him and it, it's again if somebody decided that they wanted to use that to get registered to vote you know they they, they actually have an easier time of fooling that system than they do someone in person Right, and uh, and then you have Yeah, see, so they're trying to expand voting rights. They want the Equal Rights Amendment, which, if that's a women's issue, then the Equal Rights Amendment isn't about equal rights. It's about women again. And they're going further with it by, you know, uh, women of color, um, LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. Expand non discrimination laws. But let me guess, not to include single white men.
1: No, of course not.
0: Confirm a representative judiciary with judges committed <laughs> to equal justice for all. So this oh, one's about court God. packing.
1: It's just, Yeah, just have a guy on my team, uh, you know. Just,
0: <laughs> Diversity just, in the courts.
1: Right, right. Oh. My, my opinion deserves representation yep. on that goddamn Supreme Court panel. So, uh, you know, get, get get that, what's that black guy? What's it, he's conservative? Get him the fuck out of here. He's not diverse enough. Nope, because he's not weird. Queer... <laughs> right. Right. And that is the whole goal. It's all about socialism. It's all about redistributing the wealth that we work for into the hands of the pockets of and not even... Not even women, is, just the organizations not, that claim to n-
0: represent them.
1: Exactly, exactly. But not even that. Even All right, so the organizations get their share, right? So you give this money to these people that, to spend on their housing, right? Well, who gets the money from the housing, right? Who owns the housing that is taking this welfare money from yeah. this government, right? It's so Grifters. much bigger than that. Yeah, it, it's the layers are just unbelievable and again all you have to do is follow the money and the people well, I'll give you are...
0: a, I'll give you one one thing on this. Like most of the people that I run into that think uh landlords are all evil predators that keep people in um unsafe and uns unsanitary and um Inhuman living conditions. All the people I run into that that have that opinion have lived in Section Eight housing. Mm. Hmm. Government, government funded housing. Yep. Right. Exactly.
1: Uh, so, so this tax money that they're uh, extorting from you um, is going right back into the coffers of the very same government. Who took it from you in the first place?
0: Yep, pretty I, much. I... That is that is essentially the whole situation for when it, when it comes to government funding of anything. There's a cycle, and that cycle goes from the government to the um, directly to or on behalf of the the citizen that does not. Earn enough to pay his own way, which is really her own way, uh, back into the like into the hands of maybe a middleman organization or owner of a of a property or something like that, and straight back to the government. And when it goes or to politicians in the form of kickbacks, Um, and it is again a giant money laundering scheme, and it's your money. And they do this again. We have um, the Bar Act. Um, and and this is millions of individuals are denied access to health care and basic economic supports because of their immigration status. <laughs> Lift the Bar Act The Lift the Bar Act would update eligibility standards of federal assistance programs, but it doesn't say how because what they're arguing for there is to use your tax dollars to pay for health care. For people who have entered oh. the United States <laughs> illegally. <laughs> yep, but you, you don't get your health care paid for. Um, expand access to health care serv- services for immigrants. Immigrants by uh, passing the Heal for Immigrant Families Act, ensuring access to Medicaid. So they're wanting to put to put immigrants who are who do not have citizenship on medicaid and then they're saying strengthen implementation of vawa now let's let's and and this is visa protections all right so if you marry someone from another country um this is uh they they marry you for a green card they get their green card They divorce you they claim that you abused them um, and they get to keep the green card right that's that's what that is and if you marry somebody for a green card and then you divorce them without alleging abuse you lose the green card
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right so this act incentivizes Sorry, guys. I don't know why my nose is going ballistic, but it is packed and I'm having trouble speaking. But this act incentivizes allegations of abuse to be made by immigrants against citizen partners in order to remain in the country after breaking up the relationship they used to get uh, into the United States. Like right. all of these, uh, the Power Act, like it's already illegal to retaliate against uh, workers who allege abuse in the workplace. so that this has to have other things in it, right?, uh, gender justice. Um, gender justice is probably one of the few things that is actually treated as about women uh, because, uh, they don't they don't want gender justice for men but what they're basically and then uh While many of our priorities may not become law under divided government, the 118th Congress must make progress in advancing them to lay a groundwork for a future in which people of all marginalized genders, so everybody but men, men who identify as men, and their families to have full opportunity to thrive in our country. And that's the end of it. But as we went through this, and I know we skipped a lot, we uh, summarized a lot, but the... Underlying theme here, isn't things that where where women are uniquely disadvantaged. It isn't areas where uh, women's needs have changed and things need to be updated to address them specifically for women. It is a wish list for a political faction that is using um, femininity. Putting femininity on these issues like a skin, like, like a, a, a gaming skin, like we're going to play as a feminist today. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're going to go talk to Congress, but we're going to play as a feminist today. We're still, everything about the character is still the same. It's still just our political factions wish list. Has absolutely nothing to do with women or feminism. Most of it is completely non-gendered in in the type of issue that it's it's uh, our our take on that issue, you know. But we're gonna we're gonna cosplay <laughs> as whaminists, <laughs> so that when you argue back and say, you know, this isn't a good way to handle this issue, we can just say, well, you're a misogynist, so you can't have that argument like kryptonite jeez <laughs> this is the biggest issue in politics right now yeah the biggest issue in politics that it is feasible to use womenism, feminism we are we're arguing on behalf of women so you can't argue back like as a as a way of pushing through legislation Gynocentrism gynocentrism is deadly. Gynocentrism is dangerous. It is an attack on your freedom. It is an attack on your life. And it is an attack on the structure, the political structure of your country. Yep. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into the super chats if we don't have anything else to say on that. But that's like that's the big thing I wanted to get in, get through tonight was to emphasize looking at these issues. Um, we're not talking about a a a situation of gender disadvantage. Like we're talking about flat out chicanery, yeah, and abuse. Um, in the Super Chats, Senior Sticks gave us $2 and said, Foster parents get a check, the more the greater. That's true. Every kid they uh, take in gives them more in, on their check. Uh, Dean Domino, gave, uh, 25, gave us nineteen ninety-nine, um, And says, if someone tries the whole, Oh, the draft hasn't been done in 50 years, you should ask them if uh, they're worried about nuclear war. If they say yes, ask them why, since those haven't been used since in war since 1945. which a good point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, uh, the, the, the other thing is, you know, we, we do have that situation right now where there are people arguing on social media or pointing out on social media that it's time to start... It, the, when we do a pre-war draft... That makes war inevitable. Like, we're not preparing just in case at that point. Right. That is the government saying, this is going to happen, we're going overseas, we, we, yeah. we're amassing it's, cannon it's fodder.
1: All, yeah, it's all systems go at that right. point, you know?
0: Right. And uh, I, I hate to be... Um, I don't really. I, I, I It doesn't bother me. I will be sexist as fuck about this. This is strictly a men's issue. Women, uh you know, women are not victims of this in any way. Yes, it sucks to lose your loved ones. But when someone else dies, you are not the victim. Right. right? It hurts if you lose someone you love. But... uh You're not the victim. The
1: dead person is the victim. Right. And I've, God, I've, you know, I've all came to that realization. Like, you know, when you, when someone passes away, the sadness that you feel is really sadness for yourself because of the loss that you feel of that person. You know, it's, it's, that person may have been in excruciating pain and the release of his life has you know absolved them of feeling all of that pain but the only thing that we can feel is the sadness because of the impact that it has on our lives and i think a lot of people really need to think about that you know and yeah the i, I don't know and that, that's a little tangent on the end of the stream but um well and there's i've been
0: in this situation where you know i i've, I've I've recently lost somebody that went through that. Yeah, um, like fuck everything about cancer, just everything, everything mm-hmm. about cancer. Yep. And it, it's it wasn't fair to him. He was a great guy, and a dad, very involved, dedicated, happily married dad, a coach, a good journalist, um, lifelong friend. And uh, pro- probably up in heaven with my dad right now doing an interview and photo shoot with Johnny Bench because <laughs> um, they used to hang out. Mm. And it's it's heartbreaking um, to, to lose somebody that young. I'm older than he was. But the pain that cancer inflicts on people at the stages that, that it had hit. In his situation is unbelievable, and I've lost other friends like that. One one that, one week she was, um, normal. For her, she was at her normal, and uh, when she f- stopped stopped the chemo, the next week, she didn't know any of us, cause it went right into her brain. Mm. and it's like it went in there and just sucked all of the her out and it's almost like um, almost like Alzheimer's at that stage and uh, yeah it's, it's just like fuck everything about cancer but the people that are left behind as, as much as it hurts us To see someone we know and love and care about go through something like that it's not our death yeah it's our loss of someone but it's not our death exactly and uh, when someone has to go to war not because um, their country has been attacked not because they are defending themselves and their families but because someone in government wants to make some money wants to throw their weight around, exercise some power. They get yanked out of their home and their lives and their goals and, and everything and sent to some foreign country, dropped into a war zone, and told, you know, well, we hope you survive, but if you don't, sorry, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll honor you. Um, like, okay, but I didn't want to go. Well, mm-hmm. tough shit. Yeah. right that's that's what they get and that is a level of victimization that women don't have anything to compare to nothing yeah we get we get treated that way under no circumstances <clears throat> none and uh, if anybody like wants to speak up and holler rape bullshit absolute bullshit It's a horrible thing to have happen to you... But it's nothing in comparison to that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, I... Like... Few things make me angrier than the draft. And... um, I really do think... That... The only solution... The only viable solution... To us having a system where... Our wealthy politicians whose own kids don't have to go. Uh, you know, having a solution to them being able to send your kids to war or send you to war against your will for no benefit to you or your family, really your the population of your country, just their benefit. right? The only solution to that is um, de-gendering the draft. Mm-hmm because they'd be less likely to do it they'd be yeah. more reticent to do it if they had to take the women out of people's homes and send them uh well, michael emrick
1: oh did you want to add no i'm just going to say you know with uh if if the military is now accepting uh transgender people yeah <laughs> then you know who <laughs> the lines are now blurred so why not
0: Yep, female-identified. Why not biological mm-hmm. women? Yep. Or are we not equal? Exactly. Like, today we're talking about the draft, not pay, so, nope, not equal. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there we go. I just cosplayed feminism. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael Imrick Waldberg, or Windberg, yep, that says Windberg, ultimately uh, gave us $5 in the... Um, Super Chow Channel and said ultimately when uh, taxes are used for child support, everybody's the baby daddy. And yeah, that's Mm. basically it. Reminds me of uh, one of Louis Van... uh, Louis Laval's rants. I'm acting like I'm her boyfriend, but I'm not. It's forced Mm -hmm. transfer from one side to the other. And in all honesty, I'll put my chips into betting that the harem guards felt the same way. Mm. Yeah and Uh. you know it would suck being a harem guard um if i understand correctly to become a harem harem guard you had to become a eunuch so that you couldn't you know sample Mm. the merchandise
1: avail yourself
0: (laughs) yes Uh, yeah so that's yeah and honestly to to become a baby daddy there's almost a an equivalent in you lose all your legal power you lose um your social standing and you lose a huge chunk of your finances it's not physical castration it's social castration exactly and uh Then we have Meredith G. gave us $5 and said, HBR Talk 251, Honey for the Badgers. Uh, Scapegoat gave us $5 and said, For what it's worth, I put my STEMI checks immediately into savings. My mother, on the other hand, spent hers, then eventually spent mine. That's that's a woman for you. Yep. So when I worked at the gas station, um, we didn't get... Uh, during the Obama administration, the kind of stimulation pay that um, we got oh, during was it, it was something COVID. like three
1: or it was something like three or five hundred dollars. Yeah, was, we got it was and, really
0: small, and it was added as a tax credit. So if yeah. you were heavily taxed, you didn't get it because it just was eaten by your tax bill, right? Yep. Um, but. The child tax credit, on the other hand... Like, women who had multiple children... With a baby daddy they weren't married to... Who made enough money to be, like, in the middle of the income bracket... That's eligible for the child tax credit... There were two women that I worked with who got tax refunds... That were equal to about... About a third... Almost half, actually, of our annual pay.
1: Oh, god!
0: Now our annual I, I, I was pay was wait- not huge.
1: I, I was waiting for you to say that. I'm like, what, monthly, quarterly? No, nope. She's not annual. Gonna say it. She's not gonna annual. Say it. Annual. Fuck me! Right? Please, fuck me, so I can have a kid, so I can get this goddamn child tax credit. Right. Holy shit, bro! Now,
0: I listen to these women complain about their bills and their living situation and not being able to afford to move out of this neighborhood, not being able to afford to get their car fixed all year before they got this tax credit, right? So you just got enough to buy not just a decent used car, but an exceptional used car from a dealership. Excellent condition, used car from a dealership, right? You just got more than I'm going to pay in rent at my apartment complex in a whole year. A year's worth of rent money. And uh that should solve your problem, right? Got a big screen TV. Makes me got sick. uh you know, bunch of bunch of bunch of gadgets for the house, like the latest, greatest, next best countertop cooking gadget. Did not get the car fixed. <laughs> Did not move out of the high crime neighborhood. Did not pay off the credit card bills. Declared bankruptcy. <laughs> like, in all seriousness. In in your name, for the, you know the taxes that you paid, got thousands of dollars, right? Almost like I said, almost half of our annual income. Our annual income was really not great. I mean, it was a gas station, but that's still, unbelievable. So, like, uh, almost uh, almost uh, makes it, you know, like another job like having Mm -hmm. a a little part-time job on the side right just popping out babies and extorting men for child support and you can
1: re-up every year right (laughs) jesus
0: yeah and that was i was just i couldn't couldn't you, you can't even say anything like what can you say you know, you, you like why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you actually just take your car and get it fixed? You said it was only going to cost you know, like fifteen hundred bucks. You got multiple times that, but you bought a big screen TV instead. Yeah, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, um, and you know that like that that's why people remain in poverty their whole lives. Yep. Not everybody. Like, some people remain in poverty their whole lives because they get injured and they're disabled and disability payments are just barely enough to get by. Um, and and it's that's just the way it is. Some people remain in poverty their whole lives because they have a lot of bad luck and every time they try to save up, something happens. But... A lot of people remain in poverty their whole lives because every time they get a windfall, they blow it instead of yeah. investing it in their lives, and it's that's that. that's the situation. Uh, let's see, we got um, Teflon Soul gave us twenty five dollars. HBR talk two fifty one. Um, got a bonus at work, so spending an extra donut Also, it's interesting how some on the left like these uh, letter writers, seem to think we're already in a post-scarcity world. If only things mm-hmm. were done right, that is. Yeah. Right. Um, we, are, <laughs> we are in a post-sensibility world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the sad thing. We are in a post-common-sense world. It's gone. It's gone. And yeah. we have to get it back. Or we're going to be in a post-humanity world.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah exactly. But that's that's the goal. You have to remove people's sense and sensibilities so you mm-hmm. can turn them into robots and the you know slaves for the system. Yep,
0: slaves to the system and eh, serfdom. You know, mm-hmm. uh, same same thing, different government. Um, yeah. That's basically what we're what we're looking at now. Uh, serfdom yeah. and yep and an enforcement of serfdom on the general public mm-hmm. through laws that are passed um, with, uh, the, with the charge of misogyny used as a shield against criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that, I think, is pretty much our whole show. Um, I recommend checking out honeybadgerbrigade.com Um, obviously the first thing you'll see is the post for this, but if you, uh, what we talked about earlier, that video, um, I made about the, uh, song, wait in the truck, about a half hour long video, like five minute song, 30 minute rant. (laughs) Um, you'll understand uh, when you hear it. If (laughs) you haven't seen it yet, um, it is currently the second post in the blog roll. Uh, just, I, I would love to uh, to hear from more people commenting on it. Um, I've answered some of the comments. And uh, the transcript is, uh, is in that post, and the video is in that post. Or, uh, it's also on avoiceformen.com. Um, there's not really a whole lot of comments on that article um and i know it's been linked in reddit too so i like i i would like to hear from other people in the movement um just you know what what you think of the the points that i made and if you agree with me on the the song itself and the um the treatment of male violence as a as a male flaw and at the same time a a, a debt that men owe women because right. that's that's essentially the theme of the video that that the hypocrisy of and and exploitation of simultaneously um, condemning men for engaging in any form of violence and then demanding that they do it um, at the drop of a woman's tear. Yeah. yeah. so
1: It's it's really a difficult thing to try to remove a man from this idea that he's got to protect women at every cost you know because it's just the right thing to do but holy i i think a lot of these guys just are not aware of what actually happens when they act that out in real life
0: yeah well, well and and on top of that like why why is it his responsibility if she's a stranger and uh you know i and this is something else i've said quite a bit right Women told men, we're strong and independent, we don't need you. We mm-hmm. like like a fish needs a bicycle, right? Yep. Until a woman gets herself in trouble and then all of a sudden where the where are all the men?
1: Right. Or or it snows and right. she's got a shovel to shovel the fucking driveway. Yep. Here, here, here. <laughs> you take the shovel. You take yep. the shovel.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh don't don't take the shovel, guys. It's no. it's her mess. Let her it's clean her it up. It's her to bear. Right. Yeah. Um. Especially if uh you know she could have prevented it and chose not to.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: So, and then um, like I I I like I said I really would love to hear people's comments. Uh. So with that, um, I'll stop self plugging, (laughs) (laughs) and because I'm not really good at it. And, and I will close out the show. so uh I th- there's no um, rumble rants, and I think I gave the last super chat. I don't think we got any further super chats after that last one. Uh, so that's all of everybody's comments um, And uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks, Lauren for sticking out this long and spicy sausage with yeah. me. And uh, thanks to everybody who works in the background to make HBR Talk happen. And uh, good night, all. Yeah. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.